mentioned earlier that you went to 2018 as uh, the Olympics as an artist. Mm -hmm. So that was on the um, Olympics.com, I believe. Yeah, Olympics.com website. And yep. that's that's a heck of a drawing. How? So you're an artist, obviously, because I can't do that if I trace it. Um, how did you, when did you start drawing? I started drawing when I was uh, really little. I probably about the same time I, I started shooting. Um, and I had a obsession with horses. And unfortunately, my dad didn't like horses. So um, I was stuck drawing them and not, um, you know, playing with them outside. <laughs> so not writing them, uh, right. Writing them, yeah. So I, I, I spent a lot of time just drawing. I, I just enjoyed it. And then um, it actually kind of turned into one of those things where um, when my twin sister and I were competing for the Olympics and trying to find ways of paying the bills, getting food on the table, and then also paying for our college, uh, I used my artwork to help us pay for all those. So it, my artwork actually helped me um, get through college. Um, Tracy would sell it on the streets and and uh, it paid the bills for us. So do you still sell your artwork? Uh-huh, yep. Well, how can people, I didn't know that. Where can people find your artwork? Uh, you can find it on theolympianartist.com and I have a website uh, and I do, so every once in a while I'll take on some commission pieces. I've been, uh, I've done a lot more in the past. I've been kind of busy uh, recently, so I haven't been able to do as many as I'd like, but um, it's something that I just really enjoy doing. Okay. Now, where did you go to college? All over. Our, so our team was, was located in a different place every um, six, eight months, depending on okay. where the world championships were. So if world championships were in a place where it was high altitude, then we'd be somewhere at high altitude training for that. If they were in low altitude, we'd be someplace. So anywhere from University of Maine, Fort Kent, uh, University of Vermont, uh, uh, University of Utah, uh, University of Minnesota, pretty much all over. So... Wow. We, we, we got get... around. For sure. <laughs> what, did, what did you get your degree in? Kinesiology and physiology. Okay. Wow. Yeah. All right. Pretty cool. And I studied a, a ton in psychology because I was just very fascinated by it. And I think that's, uh, that's what kind of really helped me in my shooting because, um, you know, if you can learn how to master the mind, then you can, you know, figure out just about anything. Okay. Well, that is a, and for the record, this was not planned, but that's a heck of a segue with another screenshot I want to share with you. All right. So this, what I'm sharing with everybody now is a post you shared on Instagram. I'm scrolling to it, trying to find, here we go. And I'll, I'll, the picture was, you've been criticizing, criticizing yourself for years, and it hasn't worked. Try approving of yourself and see what happens. Right. Obviously, there's some psychology there. Uh -huh. um, there's self-image going on there. Can you expand on that a little bit? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it, it, 
One, th there's a lot of lessons that I learned in biathlon. I mean, so many I can't even, you know, it take take years to go through them all. But one thing, one big thing is that, um, you know, you, you there's only certain things you can control, and um, there's no point in, in focusing on the things you can't control because there's nothing you can do about it. So by focusing on the things you can control, and one being your one and most important being your, your attitude, uh, you know, that can help you to lead a much more successful life. Obviously, if you, if you believe in yourself and you, um, believe you can achieve something, then you're more apt to be able to do it as opposed to if you're always hard on yourself, you know, other people around you might, might give you, uh, you know, motivation and things like that. But it, a lot of times it has to really come from within if it's really going to happen. So what do you, what would you say to somebody who is a perfectionist and always expects perfection of themselves? You know, there's nothing wrong with being a perfectionist. I'm, you know, I'm kind of the same thing or same way, but, um, you know, you have to be realistic with yourself. Uh, you have to set, um, achievable goals. You know, I mean, there's, Literally, there's nothing you can't, if you put your mind to it, there, there's no, nothing you can't achieve. You just have to, to, to figure out how to do it and do it realistically. The problem is, is, is when, when you set your mind to it, but aren't willing to put the steps through to get there is, is the biggest problem and, um, and realistic steps too. Um, but I, I'm very adamant about being able to do anything you can put your mind to. And that was good. That was, that was a very good segue. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that worked out perfect. Um, yeah. Now you do, I, I'm going to use the term or phrase, whichever you want to call it, trick shot. Uh, you post a lot of that stuff on your mm -hmm. Instagram, but obviously it's not, you have skill. So it's not necessarily a trick shot. That's why I'm, I, I, I use that phrase loosely. Okay. Right. Um, but I've seen you post stuff on a unicycle, which is ridiculous. I've seen yeah. you on one of those exercise balls standing there and balancing that I could see would be a little bit easier per se, once you get the balance thing worked out. Um, mm -hmm. but how long do you work at these things before you master them? Like the, obviously the unicycle, it's just a matter of mastering the unicycle. Then you've already got the shooting part down, but. Like the balance on the ball, I remember you saying something like you had to do that in small steps. How long did that take? Uh, well, I mean, we actually, so for the, uh, to, to be able to balance on the ball, like our, when we were training for biathlon in the Olympics, so we would, um, our coach would have a stand on the ball for, for balance. And then he would throw, um, you know, a weighted ball to us, we'd have to catch it and then throw it back and obviously not fall off. And so we didn't necessarily just decide one day to just jump up on the ball and stand on it. I mean, you have to kind of gradually work on, work up to standing on the ball, like, you know, start on your knees. Um, and then once you're comfortable with that, then, you know, work up to standing on it with an assist and, and things like that. So um, it took some time to, to do that, but we also balance and, and, and core strength was part of our training. So we, you know, we really worked on that a lot to be able to, you know, balance on, on a, on a ball. And, and, you know, for me standing on it now is, is something that's a lot easier, um, than what, what I 
you know, when I first learned, because, you know, part of it's technique and finding that balance point, you know, bouncing on the, the ball just like that is no different than, than a unicycle, because once you find that balance point, it's actually not that difficult. Yeah. And I don't know if you see it, but I actually shared while you were talking, I shared the video of you spinning the Texas star and then getting on the ball and shooting the Texas star. Yeah. So making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's a uh, pretty, that's pretty solid. So that's pretty. Yeah, neat, I mean, what... it... Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. I was just going to say, you know, you, you seem to do a lot of balance stuff because you also have a balance beam, but mm -hmm. unlike at a, uh, like a USPSA competition where the beam would be at ground level, it's like at waist level and you're walking across shooting the unicycle, yeah. you do a lot of balance stuff and shooting. Well, and, and you think of it like even in USPSA and competitions and things like that, I mean, you, you're challenging your balance, you know, leaning around a barricade or, or shooting a little bit off balance and things like that. So the more you can figure out ways of challenging yourself to be able to, to shoot from any position and, and be able to do it successfully. I mean, everybody looks at my trick shots and they think, oh, that's, that's, that's crazy and fun and cool or whatever. Um, but there's specific reasons why I do it. I don't do it for the, you know, the likes on Instagram. I do it specifically for training purposes. You know, I trained at the highest level of sport in the world. And once you, once you do that one, you get burnout really easily. You know, I spent most of my young adulthood training at a very high level. And so if I do a lot of that now, I get burnout really quickly because, um, you know, that that was so intense. I have to find ways of, of keeping it fun and creative and things like that. And then two, once you get to a certain level in shooting, you have to think outside the box in order to continue to improve. And so that's why I do these trick shots is because they're actually ways of helping me to improve specific things in my shooting. Like the unicycle, for example, if you don't keep pedaling with the unicycle, if you stop pedaling, the unicycle stops and you have to hop off. So in shooting, we have to learn how to keep our feet moving while we're shooting. Otherwise, we're not going to get to the end of the run as fast as we want to. So it's just for me, it's another way of forcing my mind to keep those feet moving while focusing on the shooting um, to be able to get to that next level in shooting. So that's why I do those things. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, like you said, you have trained at the highest level. And I, so, you know, you can't just go out and do the stuff that I would do. Cause that's not going to be challenging to you. You have to do something. You have to keep raising the bar every year to keep challenging yourself. I totally get it. Yeah. That's going to be the new Lanny Barnes challenge. There you go. You heard it here first casual shooters podcast on a unicycle. Keep your feet moving, hit the target. <laughs> Oh, let's say JJ and Mills can do that. <laughs> yeah, you learn how to unicycle first before you uh, even yeah. think about putting a gun in your hands. Yeah, yeah, I'm out. <laughs> 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 um, now, I you posted something also that I wanted to talk to you about because we uh, we agree and. I don't want to say we don't agree because I believe we do, I, but I think there's more to it. And that's target focused shooting. Mm -hmm. You agree target focus is great for speed um, and accuracy, 
but you also said that you think there's times in long range shooting that you may need to be more sight focused. Mm-hmm. And this is where um, I've done a lot of shooting from 300 yards to 2000 yards. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really my background. And so I started thinking about what you said and I was like, no, even, even from 600 yards and beyond, I can't think of a time other than when I had a moving target beyond 600 yards that I looked at the target. I mean, I looked at my, um, sight much like my reticle. Yeah. I, and this is also why I feel this made me think about why I like second focal plane scopes over first focal plane. Because I've always said that I don't like the fact that when you zoom in on a first focal plane scope, your reticle gets bigger too. Right. And, and I, I don't like that because I don't believe you can be as precise yeah. when that reticle blooms up as well. So I prefer a second focal plane scope where that reticle stays small, target gets bigger. I can really like down to the hair on the shoulder where I want to put that, that reticle. Yeah. Um, now what, what are your thoughts on long range and sight versus target focus? So our, my thought is a hundred percent agree with you because okay. when, when I talk about, target focus for site focus. And I think, I think I know the post you're referring to. Um, I'm actually only referring to handgun and not rifle. So hundred okay. percent agree with you on, on, on rifle, as far as always having the target focus. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, I think we're, we're aligned in that. All right, cool. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I, the only thing I wish scope manufacturers would do is for second focal plane scope, I wish on the, um, back at your um, eye lens where you adjust the zoom, I wish they had a tactile click where that zoom, that power, magnification power, Mm -hmm. and the measurement of the reticle coincide. You know what I mean? Yep, yeah. So we're like where one MOA would actually be one MOA on the target. So, yeah, you have to talk to them about that. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, you've got to look and figure out where you need to be. So, yeah. it looks like I need to I need to work with some scope manufacturers on that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm saving the um, one of my other ones for for later because. Uh, it'll be a surprise. I do want to talk about Prairie Fire. Is that who, do you work for Prairie Fire or are you just aligned with Prairie Fire? I'm not sure. No, I actually, I actually work for them. Yeah. I'm the chief experience officer at Prairie Fire Nevada. Okay. Yeah. Now, a very interesting competition in October, uh, I think it made a big splash. Uh-huh. The I know there was a bunch of interviews and stuff done. Is that out somewhere, or is it coming out? 
Yeah, they're they're slowly rolling those out on the uh, Prey Fire Rank um, uh, social media pages. Okay. So that, there's a couple different uh, branches of the company. There's there's Prey Fire Nevada, who I work for, um, which is the company that took over Front Sight December second, the shooting range out outside of Las Vegas. And then there's uh, Prey Fire Rank, which is in charge of all the competitions and the um, you know, the, 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 the rank target and, and things like that, that they came out with last year. So there's kind of a couple different branches of the company. Now they had the rank competition at the Texas range last mm -hmm. year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know there was talk of doing one this year. Are they still going to do one this year? Yeah, so they're still uh, working out the details on that. I think um, if they if they do uh, run that one, it's going to be probably in November. I imagine it'll be at Prairie Fire Nevada. So I'm not uh, exactly sure on the specifics of that, but I can uh, get those to you. Okay. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah. Now what? What? Okay, so I know about the competition. I, I know you guys built the range in Texas. You acquired Front Sight. I knew that. Yeah. So what is the overall, what, what is the plan for those two sites? Yeah, so Texas will be, um, they're, they're going to be building it up um, into a, you know, a great range down there. Um, they're, I would say that they're a little bit behind the, the range out here in Nevada, uh, obviously, you know, front site was already built up and has right. a wonderful staff and, and 50 beautiful ranges on, you know, uh, like just under 600 acres. Um, so it's, you know, that, that we're, we're up and, and, you know, ready to, to rock and roll. We're just going to be adding on to it to make it even better. I mean, I think the, the goal for Prairie Fire Nevada is to make it kind of the, the home for all things shooting and, and kind of the home for American experiences where we don't want to, we're going to do cater to everything shooting, but also offer more. So if you, if you like to ATV, we have a beautiful ropes course, you know, we want to um, do all sorts of uh, fun activities that, um, you know, shooters enjoy, uh, but kind of combine those with, with shooting. So you can spend half the day shooting and then spend the other half the day, you know, ATVing or doing some, some other fun activity, um, as well as, you know, the regular standard training and, and, uh, you know, high level competitions and things like that. And I just had this visual run through my head of Lanny Barnes standing up on an ATV, driving it with her knees. And shooting targets <laughs> as she goes by. That that's what ran through my head. Uh oh, that's quite the visual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I see it happening. I I, I see the Instagram yeah. post now. <laughs> yeah. So kind of like the mecca of shooting in a way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you could say kind of the Disney World of shooting. I mean, the um, the part of the plans are to be to put in a. 500 space RV park, you know, hotel, some condos, um, pro shops, restaurants, you know, things like that. So, so people can enjoy shooting sports. And then, you know, how right now, most of the time we, we drive an hour to a shooting range and then we shoot and then we're like, okay, well, 
we're, we're dirty and, and, you know, exhausted. We have to drive another hour back to the restaurant and the hotel. Um, we're going to have all that here on site, Prairie Fire Nevada, so that you can, you know, just really enjoy your experience. And then afterwards, you know, go take a shower and then go out and hang out um, next to a fire pit with your friends and talk about all of the, the cool things that happened that day or, you know, give someone a hard time for, for missing a target and then, you know, make some bets about who's going to win the next day, you know, just just things like that to enjoy the, the experience of shooting just a little bit more. I, it's funny you say that because um, there used to be three of us who did this podcast. Now it's me. Um, yeah. And the other two, when we were at nationals back in 2020, every day they would bet each other, whoever had the worst day had to buy um, the appetizer at the end of the day at dinner time. So yeah. I, I, you know, that was the visual that ran through when you were talking about sitting around at a fire eating, you know, talking about the day shooting. I could yeah. see that. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we want to create a community here where everybody's welcome and, and no matter what kind of shooting you enjoy doing, um, you can do it here at Prairie Fire Nevada. So do you think we'll ever see other um, shooting competitions, whether it's multi-gun, three-gun, um, IPSC, what, any, any shooting competition, do you think we'll see that? Is that a goal at Prairie Fire Nevada? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, we have the space and the, the facility to, to be able to host um, large matches. I mean, we could run... Um, quite a few national level uh, matches right now if if we wanted to or even simultaneously at the same time but um, we we want to you know get to the point where we can offer uh, you know world-class facility just like you know cameo out in Colorado I mean Walt did a Walt Prue he did an incredible job building that up that facility and um, we want to be able to, to bring in those types of competitions but we also want to come up with our own new shooting competitions that might be exciting for the, the next generation or people looking to, to dive into, you know, something new. Okay. Well, that's cool. Now, yeah. until you guys are able to build all that up, how far of a, how long of a drive is it from Vegas to Prairie Fire, Nevada? It's about 45 minutes from the strip. Oh, that's not bad at all. That's a hop, nope. skip, and a jump. Yeah, you go up and over the mountains um, and right right down into the, the valley of Pahrump. And it's it's uh, it's beautiful on the side. It's a lot quieter. You have mountains uh, 360 degrees around the, the range, and it's beautiful. All right, so legit question then. You talked about someone who invented skiing on a beach. Do you see skiing here in, on sand, per se? and shooting you know uh we just discovered a little sand dunes yesterday on the property and uh just might have to bring my skis out next time and try it out we'll see you never know i mean this the, we we look at this facility as a as a blank slate i mean it's it's beautiful what they what they built up here and and we just want to add on to it and, and make it even better so um, you know, the, the possibilities are endless in, in what we can do on this facility. And we want to try to, to make it accessible to anybody and everybody. And that includes the, the industry as well. You know, we, we want to, as many companies that want to come out here and, and use this for 
um, photo shoots or to in introduce new people to shooting, you know, I'm going to make it available for that. Okay. It, it sounds like uh, I love the goals. It would be awesome if it became that. Now you had posted um, something, where is it at? Here we go. Recently, uh, like within the last day or two, on your Instagram, and I think this is the perfect time to talk about it, and that is you had posted the picture, um, I want to say it might have even been yesterday, the shooting under the lights in front of 30,000 people. Right. And why can't we see that in the United States? And uh, like you, I think it would be magnanimous to have this happen. This would be awesome. And the yeah. picture you posted of it is pretty wild. Um, I kind of feel like with the goals that Prairie Fire Nevada has, that maybe this would be the place where something like that could happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it can. And, um, you know, I, I, I say that I'm the luckiest shooter in the United States because I was able to shoot in front of 30 to 50,000 people and have that experience. I mean, there's very few Americans that can say that. And, and you know, I, I, I think it's a huge disservice to this country and our, our um, you know, 2A and firearms community if I don't figure out a way of of creating shooting sports to where they're as popular here as they were in, in Europe or overseas, you know, because we live in a country that, that loves firearms and we have more firearms in this country than, than, you know, any other country, I think. And, um, mm -hmm. we, we celebrate that and we love our, our firearms, but we, we, we don't have shooting sports on TV and we don't have, uh, you know, no one, no one comes to watch our shooting sports. And there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, we have all these other sports, the professional sports and things like that. And I think some of the biggest reasons why we don't have those things is because we, one, probably the most important is we haven't made shooting sports spectator friendly. I mean, right now, no matter what you, what shooting sport you watch, either, either people think it's too boring or, or it's hard to follow. Like people don't understand, you know, what's going on, you know, and if you look at all the other sports, um, whether it's, um, you know, soccer or, uh, you know, any of the individual sports and like racing, car racing or things like that, you always know who's winning at any given time. And with our shooting sports, we all, we compete throughout the weekend and then at, at, at the at the results or the, you know, the awards ceremony, we're all scrambling to look on our phone, like who won, you know, how, how did we all do? And, you know, we kind of maybe have an idea of how it's stacked up, is stacking up, but there's no way to actually see as we're going live, like, okay, well, yeah, that's the clear winner right now. And so we haven't really taken that time to create shooting sports to where they're spectator friendly and people can follow it easily. And I would agree. Um, Matt Hopkins and I just had this conversation, you know, and, and he was like, literally, if you watch NASCAR, the person in front is the winner and you know, right. you know they're yeah. literally first and yeah. you go to, you look at all the other sports, you know, you can, it's, I, I agree. He said that um, his belief was we couldn't do it. We couldn't make it popular with hit factor scoring. You're going to have to go to something else where, 
people would know immediately what the situation was. And I actually, that's when I brought up Prairie Fire, the rank competition. I said, because I said, you could almost do it there, at least with rounds three and four specifically, because mm -hmm. it was head to head. Whoever yeah. finished first was moving on and whoever finished second wasn't, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's that whole, it's that whole, Ricky Bobby, you know, if you're not first, you're last. So yeah. Yeah. very simple and easy to follow along with. So I could see where, and I said, even rounds one and two, if you had cameras set up properly and people could see how the shooters were doing at the same time or, you know, live, then that would probably be okay too. Now, I do think that there would probably be some pushback from the left, but um, I feel like it would also needs to be done in steps. Like I can't watch any nationals, anything being live streamed. Like, I feel like we need to start there and build it that way and build a viewership and then expand it. Even, you know, shooting USA, I might be able to watch something, but it's going to be a month or maybe two months after the fact, and there's right. really nothing live streaming, which is what I desire and I would like to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if we if we created we there's the technology out there for cameras and and um, you know being able to 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 video something so that you can capture the the moment and and you know the the person shooting and and make it so that it's 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 a lot more pleasing to, to watch as opposed to just sticking a camera on a tripod and in a range and like, you know, kind of getting the whole thing, but not really get, getting in on the shooter and the targets and, and things like that. I mean, it, it would be a lot more involved with a, a camera crew and things like that to be able to, to set it up in a way that you can see it, but there's no reason why we, we can't do that so that, that people can, can experience that one so that it, it's more visually appealing to the eye, you know, these days, everybody, um, you know, so visually focused, you go through social media feeds and it's just one thing after another, they have to have that constant stimuli. And if you just have a, a feed just continuously going and people are really don't know what's going on, then they're going to, they're going to move on to something else. But if you have those, those feeds and those camera angles that are visually appealing, plus you have someone explaining like what the person's doing and, and how they're doing while they're doing it. You know, I think that'd make it a lot, a lot better. But I feel like the first step is just streaming it period. Like how do we get from nothing? Cause literally there's nothing right now. And I, I agree right. with you. I mean, I, I think as all of us as being um, firearm friendly and two a supporters and competition friendly, um, how do we go from nothing to at least streaming it where the people who are involved in it, whether it's as a hobby or they consider themselves actively competing in the sport to where we can right. all experience that? Well, I mean, it, you know, if it, you're saying kind of what, you know, what you're talking about is just starting out with the, the live streaming. I mean, USPSA is doing that kind of their nationals now, but it's more, it's more the thing where they, they set a tripod in, in a bay and then they, you know, hit, hit 
hit record and then they then they walk away. I mean, it it would almost have to be where you know in in the instance that you're talking about where it's people like you and and others that that really have a passion for that space that are like, okay, well, I'm going to go and, and, um, I have a drone or something like that. I'm just going to, or, you know, some sort of camera equipment, I'm going to set it up and, and capture in a way that, that people can see it, you know, like, unless we convince the, um, broadcasters and someone like that to, to really come in and do it, you know, that's a good place to start. But, um, at the same time, you can only capture one, stage doing that you know if you set up the shooting sports in a way that it, they're a lot more efficient like part of the problem with the shooting sports now is it takes the action shooting sports for example it takes so long to run all the shooters through like a lot of the matches it's three days of shooting um so it's a huge time commitment and things like that but if we were able to make it so so efficient you know automatically setting targets and stuff like that so that you could run the shooters a lot quicker um, they have the same good experience, but then you can have, you know, someone on say one stage or, or several stages and be able to capture more than have it spread out over, over three days where it's a huge time commitment. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, now I'm sure you've been to Cameo cause you're, you're right around the corner. Yep. There's a gentleman um, that lives local to me that, as I understand it, he helped wire that place for all the IT stuff. Yeah. And he was telling me that on every bay, there's four different plugs where you can run a live feed, you can run a scoreboard, a television, you can run four different things simultaneously because mm -hmm. they if you want to call it, they over IT'd it. You know what I mean? Like they, yeah. they yeah. took it to the nth degree. Yeah. And I kind of feel like, and now obviously if it weren't for the politics in Colorado, that would be the range where you could go in, you could put a camera on every bay mm -hmm. and on your, you know, you could um, log into a, we'll just say a website and then you would have, let's say there's 20 bays. So you would have 20 different little screens on your, or windows on your screen. And you're like, Oh, yeah. stage seven. I want to look at, Oh, someone's getting ready to shoot on stage seven. Let me click on that. And then it makes it, you know, it opens up that window and you could watch that person go through it. I kind of feel like even if that's where we started and then maybe that would show a benefit to these other people or, or interest anyway, say, look, there's interest. We have so many interactions every day uh, right. and this and that, and we build it from there. I kind of feel like that's where we could start, but it would take something like that to be able. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, a lot of, you look at a lot, a lot of shooting ranges around the country and you can hardly get cell phone service out there, you know, mm -hmm. and Walt, I mean, he was a genius when he, when he built Cameo because he thought about those types of things, um, yes. you know, put Wi-Fi capabilities and live stream capabilities and, you know, all those things and into those, those, uh, those bays. And, you know, like you said, he, he over what he said overdid it on the, your, you and your friend, um, he said he overdid on technology, but it, 
you have to do that. You know, that's part of, of making something uh, th forward thinking about seeing what it's going to be like in the future, you know, because if we don't cater to that technology, we're going to lose it to, you know, all the kids that would rather play a video game than, than go out on the shooting range. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, could you, could you see something at Prairie Fire Nevada where they have, uh, cause I got, I mean, I feel like you guys are in the desert there. So Wi-Fi might be difficult, um, mm -hmm. where it would be wired up for that type of thing. Yep. Yeah. That's the, that's the goal. I mean, we definitely want to, want to get there and, and, you know, people like, like Wald have kind of paved the way for that to be the, the standard going forward. I mean, you kind of have to, if you want to be relevant in the industry, um, not just for, you know, being able to capture the, the video and, and, you know, broadcasting and things like that. But, you know, a lot of people want to have that experience where they, they could potentially live stream their stage while they're shooting it, you know, have someone follow them with their phone or, or be able to upload uh, pictures and videos of their family and friends having fun on the range, you know, different things like that. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what's going to help grow shooting sports is, is make it more accessible um, and more available to, uh, you know, all different forms of media. And, you know, that's, that's what's going to help us grow. Absolutely. I completely agree. Show the human side of people enjoying themselves and mm -hmm. start to win people over. Absolutely. Now, here comes the surprise part. You had posted something a while back on your Instagram, and it was a who's who. So I'm going to share the first picture. This is a picture of you and Tracy. Now, okay. can you see that? I can see that, yep. Okay. All right. For the record, here we go. Uh, I'm going to answer all five of these. Okay, good. I, this is Lanny on the right. Correct. Okay. Number yeah. two. This one's a little tougher. I don't yeah. have a lot to work with here, and you guys look very similar. <laughs> um, I'm going with Lanny on the right. Correct. Boom. Two for two. Okay. <laughs> Nice. You're good at this. Definitely Lanny on the right. Ah, <laughs> it's a common theme with this so far. All right. Now, but we've changed it up. Lanny on the left. You got it. Yeah. Now this is where I have zero idea. So <laughs> this is literally swagging it. You know what, you know what swag stands for? Uh-huh. Okay. I'm going to swag it and I'm going with Lanny on the left. I think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, think I feel so, like, yeah. <clears throat> I feel like this picture is your parents saying, okay, we got to change the color of their shirt or we're not going to know who is who. Yeah. Yeah. My, my parents struggled <laughs> with that sometimes, you know, they, They'd go to yell at one of us and, and they'd say, Tracy, and then, oh, sorry, sorry, I mean, Lanny. <laughs> so oh, they were I, I could totally imagine that. I mean, uh, okay, so did you guys ever play tricks on? Like, did one of the pair of twins I know, when they were in high school, they would go to each other's classes <laughs> and, yep. yeah. and not their own. Did you guys do stuff like that? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we, when we were young, um, the school decided to split us up because they didn't, they thought that we needed to create our own identity and not be together. Um, wow. which if you know anything about twins, it, it's really kind of a bad idea. Very um, much. You know, cause it just, uh, makes it worse. And, and then we, we, we want to start playing pranks on people. So we'd actually, our teachers would, would memorize our clothes. And so at lunch we'd, we'd switch clothes and then I'd go in her class and then she'd go in my class. And, um, you know, we were teachers. So I felt that fun. Oh, now did, did they ever yell at you because like you'd be in Tracy's class and be like, Tracy, Tracy. And you're like not answering because your name's Lanny. <laughs> No, because we, I mean, I've been called my, my twin sister's name just as many times as I've been called my own. So you automatically like it. It's almost like if someone says, Tracy, I say yes, you know, because I just assume they're talking to me. Um, but the only time we ever got accused of switching was when we weren't. And it was so hard trying to convince the teacher. No, I really am who I say I am, you know, um, but they didn't right. believe yeah. yeah, I mean, how would you how would you prove that? Yeah. I don't even, I'm like, I don't well, even I know. I'm like, well, I go switch clothes and I'll pretend to be, you know, my twin sister, but. Yeah. Wow. Well, Lanny, that's what I've got. Um, is there anything you wanted to add or anything we need to expand on? I don't think so. No, I really enjoyed that. That was a, a fun conversation. It was. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. It was awesome having you back on for an actual discussion so yeah thank you i appreciate that it was always always fun chatting with you i appreciate that it was it was nice running into you at shot show absolutely yeah shot show is one of those things where you, you hope you see everybody that that you, you'd like to see but sometimes you you know it's just a sea of people and you don't get a get a run into everybody yeah i felt like the entire population of well it's not going to come out right but the entire population of the United States was at SHOT Show. I'll say that. It was very busy this year, that's for sure. Yeah. 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 It's good that it's getting back to normal, but that was a lot of people. Yeah, definitely. I didn't quite expect that many people, but it was great for the industry, I think, to see that many people coming back. Totally agree. Well, Lanny, again, thanks for coming on, and I hope to have you on again in the future. Well, thank you for having me, and, and definitely anytime. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.